أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد so Akhdari rahimahullah ta'ala he continues he mentioned a string of things that are haram for a person that a person needs to stay away from and so the last thing we left off with was alhamzu wal-lamzu and alhamz is to talk garbage about someone behind their back and al-lamz is to uh, talk garbage to someone in their face um, and these things also have to do with with uh, um, Social media use, because a lot of it is, again, uh, people talking garbage about one another. Uh, even if you don't like somebody, it doesn't give you open license to uh, uh, to say whatever you want to, about them. In fact, the people who have a, a beef with somebody and they take the fact that they have a beef or a legitimate complaint complaint on which the beef is built uh, as a, an excuse to just completely like shaitanify the other person, this is a sign of nifaq. The hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Munafiq Arba'a People are oftentimes more familiar with the Thalatha There's another one Arba'a إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبُ إِذَا تُمِنَ خَان وَإِذَا خَاسَمَ فَجَرُ وَإِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَر That uh, when he speaks it's a lie And when he is trusted with someone, something he's treacherous And uh, when he has an argument or a disagreement with somebody It exceeds any rational boundary uh, uh, and when he uh, promises he's uh, he'll be there at a certain time, uh, he 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 ghosts or, or or doesn't show up. Uh, so this is this is this is important. You don't have carte blanche. There's so many groups of people people don't like, you know, uh, and many of them legitimate, you know, just because just because somebody uh, whatever uh, some person or some group of people did something you don't like, it doesn't mean that everything becomes halal and your enmity with them. Uh, so uh, Akhvari continues. He says, "Well, abathu, abath doing wasting time with mean, meaningless things. Abath is just like like wasting time. If you want to, and this is the thing is like everybody's well, like, you know, what makes me happy is to recite the Quran, and the next person's like, well, I like, I don't know, I like uh, uh, watching YouTube videos about basket we- basket weaving or whatever. So, well, do you actually weave baskets? No, I just." Like watching the videos. Um, things that are a waste of time that have no benefit in the dunya or in the akhirah are, are haram. This is very difficult for people to swallow. Because there's so many things that we do as part of our culture which are completely abath. Watching a baseball game is abath. It is. There's no benefit you're getting in the dunya or in the akhirah. Someone's like, well, I benefit from it because X, Y, Z. You know, like I make a living as a professional athlete. Okay, then I'm not talking about you. You know, I'm a coach of, on a team or something like that. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about most people, right? What's Abath? More than half video games people have outside are Abath. This is one of the reasons, for example, a game like backgammon is haram, whereas a game is chess. Like chess is, is you know, there's discussion with regards to it. Why? Because chess is based on skill. Backgammon is based on rolling a dice. Something that you win through luck is complete Abath. There's no benefit in it whatsoever. Uh, uh, and so this is a this is a real this is a real hard it's a bitter pill for people to swallow. I know if I was sitting in this dars as a uh, as a kid and I heard that someone said video games are haram, I would like I'd be like this sheikh is something's wrong with him. I, let's not go to this thing anymore. I'm, I don't want to hear it. Blah blah blah. 
the fact of the matter is that, that uh, okay, fine, you know, someone might say, well, you're developing hand-eye coordination or whatever, right? Uh, uh, okay, fine, in the, in, the, in the capacity that that's true, then it's not abath, but a lot of it is. A lot of these weird, like really long story in t involved intensive games that like takes so much time uh, from a person. The games that people have on their phones, they practically play themselves. They're just like weird, like they're just there to distract a person's mind. There's not really a whole lot of skill involved in, in winning or losing uh, those types of things. Uh, Abath is like so, it's so rife. It's just it's such a part of the culture and it's, it's completely, it's, it's haram, it's bad. It's really just a dumb thing to do. Uh, and if a person does it or has to do it, like, you know, because there's a certain amount of things a person needs to relax. You can't just be on task 100% of the time. But even that, a person should say, okay, fine, I need to, like, relax for six hours in a day. Okay, if that's the case, then relax for six hours, but don't let, relax for the seventh hour then. Get back to work. Uh, um, that, that, will be, that will be haram. People, I guess, they don't understand that and they don't want to, they don't want to understand that. What else is abath? TV is abath. Someone's like, well, I'm a marine biologist and I'm watching a documentary about like whatever whales. Okay, then it's not Abbas for you. But like at some point it does become like that. And the funny thing is that like the, the internet has thrown, thrown, thrown me for a curveball because our generation, TV is bad, reading is good. The internet provides you with so much useless reading. So much useless reading, you know, ajib, like a level of useless reading. I feel proud of myself. I'm like, oh, look how Sufi I am. I shut off the images from my web browser. So when I read the news, there's no images, right? So what's the, what's the, uh, uh, you know, what's the, the top stories in the BBC news, whatever. So-and-so sex toy wins the sex toy of the year at CES. What is it? It's Abath. What are you going to do with it? What, with that information? What are you going to do with that knowledge? It's complete abath. It's like ilmun, ilmun like yadur. It's ilmun la yanfa wa yadur. Even if you know what it is, it's not going to help you. It's just going to cause it's going to cause a problem. So at some point or another, a person has to like step back from the self because obviously these types of things they're interesting in some way, shape, or form. A person shouldn't, you know, normally socially functional person shouldn't admit that to another person. Just like you don't really like admit to like having watched Star Trek a lot when you were a kid, unless you want to get laughed at. But the fact of the matter is, like within yourself, when you're keeping it real and like looking inside of yourself, you have to step back. You're like, okay, this could be interesting, but it's a complete waste of time. Uh, learning about whatever pointy-eared people who never existed, um, and I get the fact that it was fun to watch, right? But uh, there, you know, and there, there's there, there's something better to do with your time. You have to ask yourself: Do you want to waste all of your breaths in uh, in in these types of things? So he says, "Well, abath was sukhriya. Sukhriya is like to like mockery." To like completely clown people uh, to the point where they, you know, you destroy their their humanity. It's good for a laugh, but it's uh, the effects are long lasting. And when you uh, disrespect people to uh, uh, such a point, don't be surprised that that when they don't act like a human being afterward, because you condition them to that. It's not uh, it's not it's not permissible to do that. Rather, it's you should say nice things about people. If somebody is uh, if somebody has. Uh, uh, you know, 10 things that, that make you laugh about them and one thing that's serious and compliment the one serious or the one good thing uh, and focus on that uh, so that Allah Ta'ala will give them a, a, a reason to behave respectably which benefits them and it benefits everybody. Was zina and the zina that he's talking about is not only the, the zina of the private parts which is illicit uh, uh, sexual intercourse 
but all of its muqaddimat as well, which uh, include uh, which include what? Uh, they includes a number of things, and he mentions them. Then he says, "One nazaru ajnabiya." He's saying it's not just okay, khalas, We're not having sexual intercourse. So I missed, or I've, I've, I've protected myself from zina. Check. He says, "One nazaru ajnabiya." That a, a a man should look at a non-mahram woman who is not married to, uh, um, and vice versa as well, and vice versa. That that a person should look at the person who Allah Taala made it haram for them to look at. Again, this is one of those things, if we say these things in, in public, uh, in front of the regular society, it will become a mockery until Me Too happens and only then for like five minutes, then it will be taken seriously and then people will lapse back to their old uh, animalistic type ways. And even in our own community, people have made a joke about this. So mashallah, we have this, this barrier, this barda in the masjid between the men's section and the women's section. It's relatively porous, uh, so sound can travel through because... Um, the, 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 the sisters, uh, uh, you know, when they can't hear and things like that, that's a legitimate complaint. But the complaint about this barrier that, mashallah, some popular speakery type people will say, oh, look, you know, the only people who want to have a barrier in the masjid are prepubescent, this and that, and that's Desi Islam, and it's foreign Islam, and it's blah, 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 and the other thing, the other thing. Um, this is, this is, you know... Uh, with all due respect, uh, you know, I guess people should be, you know, you, one can say easily that, well, people should be more mature than that, that, that uh, they're able to interact with like people of the opposite gender everywhere in life. And when they come to the masjid, all of a sudden they become touchy and they freak out. The reason is that the masjid is a spiritual place that a person comes to to remember the akhirah and uh, uh, things that remind a person of the dunya. Um, they poison the, 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 environment of the masjid and the fact of the matter is that if a person is a normal person um, then there is a physiological effect on a, on a person uh, for uh, for being with the opposite gender and this is something that's not a matter of maturity or immaturity this is the way Allah Ta'ala created people and some people may be more extreme in their in their susceptibility to this and some people may be extreme in their non-susceptibility to it but the average person has a has has a uh, uh, this has an effect on them. Uh, there's a for example Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu anhu, who's a man of heroic virtue, and if there is anybody in amongst the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum that the ulama ever considered has a maqam above that of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, it's him, and all of the turuq in salasil with one exception all come through him, uh, and. Uh, uh, he is uh, he is the one about whom the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that my my this, my station with Ali is like the station of Musa to Harun alayhi salam. Uh, so this is a uh, and Qurtubi mentions by the way that this is a sign that he's not the Khalifa the direct Khalifa of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because the direct Khalifa of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam wasn't Harun alayhi salam it was Yusha bin Nun. But at any rate, but it means that he's very close as he's very close to him. It's like his brother. That Sayyidina Ali was completely broke when the time of Hijrah, and nobody, no, no one from the Ansar chose to make him his brother when they made Mu'akha, when they made brothers with one another. And the Prophet he said, "Don't worry, you're my brother." So what 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 is it about Sayyidina, Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu anhu that he said he said he says he he was a rajul madha that he was married to the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
and he felt such a way when he was around her that the madhi, the, like the pre-ejaculate fluid would come out. And so he wanted to know what is the hukum of this? Do I have to make ghusl from this or do I have to make wudu from it? What do I do about this? And he was so, he was so uh, 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 embarrassed to mention this in front of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he sent, I believe, Miqdad bin Aswad to go and ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam this question. Meaning what? Meaning this is not an issue of like who's prepubescent and who's a horny and who's a pervert and who's God knows what. And people throw these things around in order to like act like they're not. The, act like they're like somehow like a, some sort of angelic like above the sky. Like, well, I'm better than that type of person. That's the deen of the Nasara. The Nasara are the ones who say that man is born in original sin and they consider being a monk and a priest and celibate to be the ideal. And they pretend like that's some, something a person could do or should do. And then what is the what is the ulta? What is the result on the other side? The result is that you don't want to be an altar boy. The result is what you don't you know you your 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 boys and girls commit zina at an astronomical rate. I mean, Muslims are not perfect and things like that. But uh, you know, thank God we're not like that. If you ask people, you know, ask young 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 men and women who accept Islam later, or even who are still Christians, ask them about church. How do you know what do people do when they're at church when they're in the pews? Do they look at each other or whatnot? Uh, and they'll, they'll tell you about those things. That's a fact. That's a reality. What are you going to do about it? So uh, the deen is not you know served by pretending you're something you're not. It's uh, served through taqwa. Taqwa means what? Fearing Allah Taala and being cautious about things. What? Being scrupulous in your affairs. This is not a, a reason or an excuse to. Uh, exclude sisters or treat them as bad or like the source of all evil or whatever uh, but it is what it is meaning that the the opposite gender should take their protection from one another the sisters should uh, the sisters should protect themselves from the brothers not that you know it excuses any bad behavior that the brothers do and the brothers should also protect themselves from the sisters God help you all what uh, 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 so he says he, see, he mentions that zin, not only is zina haram but and to enjoy enjoy her speech uh, uh, not only to enjoy the quality of the sound but to enjoy uh, uh, chit chat uh, between uh, a non-mahram man and woman which is uh, there's a lot of lutf in it and there's a lot of uh, enjoyment in it and it makes a person feel happy um, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's how you feel about one another, get married uh, and enjoy that with your wife. If you waste it talking to uh, someone of the opposite gender, whether you're a woman or you're a man, if you waste it talking to them before you get married, and mashallah, you've been chit-chatting for two years afterward, you're not going to enjoy it when you're married with one another, I promise you. And if you talk to too many women, if you talk to too many men and and, and uh, enjoy that enjoyment, then when you get married, even if you marry a person that you didn't waste it with already, it's already gone. The talavud and the enjoyment of that is gone. That's for your spouse if you blow it off on other people um what happens is that the the relationship between a uh, a husband and a wife between a, a, a man and a woman which the husband wife relationship is a lawful iteration thereof um that's a special relationship and uh, it's not it's not something that you have with someone and then you move on people who do the one night stand type of thing uh, the the it burns them and it burns the sisters first uh, and men also feel like it doesn't burn them, but in the long run, they will also get burned by it. And the burn is what? Is that this is something, that a relationship you're supposed to have with somebody who's special to you. And if you flippantly 
basically uh, hit it and quit it so many times. One thing is to actually do zina. The other thing is all the things that come before it as well. They're also included in this uh, in this uh, in this idea. If you keep if you keep just flippantly filing through people, what happens? You kill a little bit of your own humanity by doing that, that as well, because that person is supposed to be special to you, and you blow them off. Uh, and then thereafter, if the thing that's supposed to be special doesn't become special anymore, you become numb. It's like taking like a, a whip and hitting, beating somebody in the same spot again and again, day in and day out. What will happen? It becomes numb. It will become tough. The thing that used to be like soft skin that could feel warm and cold and touch and things like that, it becomes like leather. It just becomes callous after a while. You're killing your own humanity. And that's not cool. That's not that's not good. It may sound like fun, but then afterward, you know, when you become a, you know, you realize that some part of your humanity is dead, uh, even though you s still get the privilege of breathing. Uh, uh, that's kind of like a that's kind of a bum bum uh, place to be, a bum situation to be in. وَأَكْلُ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِغَيْرِ طِيبِ النَّفْسِ طِيبِ نَفْسٍ وَالْأَكْلُ بِالشَّفَاعَةِ وَالْبِدْدِينِ. It says, order to consume the wealth of people. Without them, without without them, uh, uh, without them being okay with it, or consuming the wealth of people um, through uh, like leveraging your uh, your relationships with others, uh, or through debt. So, for example, uh, if a person uh, goes to somebody's business and they swipe something that they're not supposed to take. Or they abuse something. People do these types of things. They don't really think much of it. Like, for example, there's like all you can drink, you know, like a soda or whatever. So they'll buy two soda and three people will drink from it. Two people will drink from it. And they don't think anything of it. What are you doing? You're, you're consuming that thing and it's haram. And for 99 cents or $1.19, you've made something that Allah made halal. You made it haram for yourself and it's become a poison for your heart. It's become poison for your ruh, and it's become a lighter fluid in which your good deeds are going to burn on the day of judgment. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it at all. Al-aklu is a particular way of doing it. People do this type of stuff all the time. For example, they'll buy, quote-unquote, buy something and use it, and then they'll return it. And they'll be like, oh, well, they have a return policy. The point of the return policy is if you intend on actually, actually keeping it. You intend on trying it out. It's a good faith uh, it's a good faith like uh, transaction, right? If there was no niya in the first place whatsoever to to keep the thing, you're just gonna get the usufruct of it and then send it back. Then the shop isn't open for that. They're gonna their shop will that you know their business will crash if everybody does that. They're not there to be your uh, you know your 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 uh, welfare system or or financial support system. So you use their stuff for free. Um, and people do these types of things and it's not cool. It's not, there's nothing, it's not, it's not right. You know, you, you, should, you shouldn't do that. It's just makes it haram. Uh, and some things uh, may not be illegal or they may not even be haram by the letter of the law. But uh, uh, you know inside that what you're doing, it doesn't take like rocket science to know what you're doing is wrong. Uh, and it becomes haram and a person just doesn't want to be liable for that. You don't want like whatever Walmart to come jack you on Yom Al-Qiyamah for for uh, you know, for for what bad for, for for what abuse you did of their return policy. Imagine that a kafir is going to the hellfire anyway, and they jack your good deeds. They're not even going to enjoy it. All they're going to do is like relieve themselves from a little bit of punishment, and still they're going to be in so much punishment they won't be able to imagine that there's a punishment worse than that. So it's just a waste. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, well, aklub shafa'a means what? For example. 
uh, you know, you abuse a, a person's social relationship with another person. That, uh, uh, you know, you know that uh, so-and-so's mother-in-law is going to be at the party and like, because that person is like, you know, trying to make her happy, uh, he's, you know, he'll let you come in also, even though you're not invited. Um, uh, or, you know, this happens in fundraising a lot, actually. When people call people, you call people out, put them on the spot by name in front of other people. This is a type of coercion. And uh, this is a, 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 a legal issue and a creed issue that very few people think about, which is that it is, uh, it is a bid'ah and it is haram to coerce a person to give anything other than what the haq of Islam is. Meaning people have to pay their debts back, people have to pay their zakat, people have to pay their kafarat if they incur them, etc. Anything other than what's, uh, what's mandated by the sacred law. To coerce a person to pay it is, 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 a, is a haram and it becomes a bid'ah if it is something related to deen. So with fundraisers and things like that, and the only coercion is not like by sticking a knife at somebody, right? If you, for example, put somebody on the spot in front of everybody and make them pay for something, you know, uh, um, that's a type of coercion as well. And uh, 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 people, you know, people should be careful about that. that that's not... You know you can't you can't do that. That's 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 haram. That's a, that's an actual bid'ah then when it comes to something if it has to do with the deen. If it's just a personal issue like you know whatever, uh, it's just a personal issue then it's haram. Like splitting bills or things like that. If someone antib enough wishes to pay for other people, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's very noble. But if somebody uh, puts another person on the spot, you know, to pay for them or whatever, uh, everyone should eat from their own earning. Everyone should eat from their own earning. And this is one really weird thing that's happened with like the culture of Muslims is that the Sahaba عنهم, are trained that everyone should eat from their own earning and everyone should, no one should ask for favors from one another. Everyone should do their own things. So much so that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq عنه, if something would fall from his camel, he would make the camel halt and kneel and he would go pick it up and then he would get back on the camel even though there are people walking with it. Uh, um, which is, it's, it's time consuming. And, uh, you know, this was even when he was an old man. And uh, they would say, why didn't you just ask us, you know, to give it, hand you whatever you dropped? And he would say, the Prophet ﷺ forbade us from asking for stuff from people. So that's the asl. But what happens is that then on top of it, the deen teaches to do ihsan, that not only do you take care of yourself, but you take care of others as well. And so what happened is people have forgotten the asl, asl and then they've, they've uh, uh, made a culture of the ihsan, which in a way is good, but you have to remember the asl first in order for the ihsan to have any meaning. Which is what? The masjid is filled, why? Because there's free iftar. The masjid is filled, why? Because there's free dinner, right? The, the madaris, you know, because people learn and teach for free, they're filled. The fact of the matter is, is what? is that that's the ihsan, the asl is that everybody should pay their own way. Whatever they use, whatever they do, they should pay their own way. It's not that I'm doing the deen a favor and someone else should pay for it. And uh, if a person goes, if you go to a masjid and there's a free iftar, reckon inside of your mind how much did it cost. Even if the person who fed you donated it for the sake of Allah, then you give it either to the masjid or you give it to some other charity you kick it for. Don't eat for free. Don't be one of those people. The Sahaba عنهم, weren't those people. Obviously, you have to remove yourself from eating, eating haram. Thereafter, even the halal, you should eat, eat, eat from your own earnings. You should uh, consume from your own earnings. If you, cannot, if you cannot do that, it's better to abstain. 
than to uh, than to be a burden on, on somebody else. This is not a halal haram issue, by the way. So if you want to, you don't say like, well, Sheikh gave a rousing bayan about why it's bad to eat for free at the masjid, so I'm not going to go to masjid. Okay, if you want to go to masjid iftar and you can't afford anything, go ahead and eat. You know what I mean? But this is part of this is a part of a person's uh, spiritual, uh, 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 like uh, being able to stand on your own two feet and your spiritual backbone being straight and not being like spiritually handicapped. You should eat and drink from your own from your own earning. Uh, um, and so if you if you you know if you if someone gives you antib and nafs, it's okay to accept. But in general, a person should not make a habit out of it, and they definitely shouldn't make an expectation out of it. Um, and the thing is, these are the habits, once they rot from the inside, then the society rots. Because if you have a society of freeloaders, um, it becomes like Rome, right? Where it's just bread and circuses. We have entire countries in the Muslim world where bread is subsidized. If bread wasn't subsidized, the entire qawm would uh, die of starvation. It's not a wonder that then there's no productivity. And I get the fact that, okay, there's tyranny and like opportunity is not fair to come by and there are people who work hard and still get shot down and all that other stuff. But if it's not the entire story, but it's also still, it doesn't mean that it's not a piece of the puzzle. It's still a piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, the Roman model is what bread and circuses, that if you want the Roman mob uh, not to, uh, you know, throw up a, a, a strike and like close the city down and overthrow the government, then give them free bread and uh, put on circus games for like the next 200 days in the, in the Colosseum. And that's, that's what people, that's what people do. And don't think you're better than anybody else. People are watching Bulls games and Cubs games and all these things right now. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks are making a touchdown or whatever. Uh, 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 even though, even though, even though Mufti Denk is about to make the Fatwa of Takfir on me right now. It's true though, right? People are so, you know, and the, whatever the Cubs owners, like he thinks you're all terrorists and you guys like wear their paraphernalia. Like, so good for you, man. <laughs> we, have, we have, mashallah, uh, people with uh, tasbihs making zikr every day, walking around with these, or riding around with these W flags uh, on their, on, on their cars. And guess what? He thinks you guys are all a bunch of like sandbagging uh, terrorist 7-Eleven owners. I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah. So, so, so. The idea, the idea is what is that instead of being a society of, a society of people who are freeloaders, the Sahaba anhum, literally when they would go on jihad fi sabilillah, like for example, if you go to the army, if you go, if you're you're in the army, you're gonna go, let's go, you know, smoke them out of their holes in some whatever raghead country or whatever, right? Um, do you bring your food from home? No, the army makes the the provisions for it, right? The Sahaba radiallahu anhum when he used to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he used to bring their food from home. He used to pack their food with them. And obviously, you don't, how can you pack like, you know, it could be weeks, you can't pack. As much as they could, they would bring with them their provisions. Why? Because they didn't want to eat from somebody else's, from somebody else's portion. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, during the hijrah, after three days in the, the cave of Thor, uh, 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 two camels were brought for one for him and one for Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu to go on the hijra. Rasulullah was completely broke; he had nothing. And he, 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 he Abu Bakr brought the camel for him radiallahu anhu, and he said, "What?" He says that I'm, I'm accepting it in purchase on a debt. He didn't accept it. He said, "I'm buying it from you. I'll pay you when I have the money." Why? Because that's how they were. And people are like, oh, Muslim standard time. And oh, look, I hate dealing with Muslims and I hate this. And No, that's not, that's not how Muslims deal. Uh, and so some people may have lost their way. And so Allah Ta'ala give them hidayah. But the way that we fix these things is ourselves uh, uh, not, not be that type of person to deal with. 
Um, and this is a, a small aside, uh, uh, but this is why it's important that the uh, brothers in the tariq, not necessarily uh, meaning a specific tariq, but anyone who's a salik toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the brothers in the tariq, they transact with one another. Um, that they uh, that they that they have their own way of buying and selling and bartering through uh, with one another, and that they transact with one another as well. Uh, why? Because after the Rasulullah built the masjid, the first thing he built was the marketplace, and uh, uh, we have to trust one another with our transactions. This is why you know we should go to the restaurants that have the halal advocates uh, seal, and we should you know go to the uh, go to you know transact with the businesses that have the like whatever straightway ethical. Uh, 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 seal and, and approval. We should actually have some sort of transactional network that we that we that we uh, uh, that we use. And I get that some people have a problem with this organization or that organization. You should have you should have someone that you you trust and deal with. Because if every uh, if every Muslim is kind of like Muslim warlord on their own hill and their ideas about halal, their ideas about community, and their ideas about getting along are, are they hold them alone. Then and there's like a, th- a thousand of them. Then necessarily the wolf is going to have a buffet in front of him, uh, uh, and that's that's how that's uh, supposed to work. Obidain, uh, uh, it's haram to take favors from someone who owes you money. It's considered a type of riba. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala, it's at least anecdotally famous about him that if someone owed him money, he would not even stand in the shade of that person on it on the day in the daytime. He wouldn't even stand in that person's shadow. Out of fear of it being counted as riba against them, the only thing that that person owes you is the the money they owe you, and nothing more uh, at all, uh, not a cent more than that. And so when somebody, oh, you know, because the thing is, like, if you need money and someone loans you money, you're like, wow, this is like ihsan this person did to me, right? Uh, um, and so you're you want to treat that person well. Um, that that may be understandable, but from the flip side, if somebody owes you money, uh, um, uh, to take uh, any ihsan from that person. Uh, uh, while they owe you money, it's 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 haram, uh, and it will be counted as riba uh, against you. Now, if someone, for example, loans you money, and it was a favor, I mean, it is a favor. It's an act of charity, right? L- lending in, in Islam is an act of charity. It's not considered a business transaction. Uh, rather, it's an act of piety, and in some ways, it's more. In certain instances, it will receive more reward than actually just giving the money to a person, because it's much more stressful. If someone lends you money when you needed it, it's an act of ihsan. Once you've paid the debt off, some of the ulama say that it's permissible to give that person a gift as long as that's not having been expected. The idea is what? Is that the debt is already paid off and that transaction is gone now. Now when you give the gift, it's separate from the, from the dain. But it's only on the heels of having paid it off. Until it's paid off, a person cannot take ihsan. For, people cannot take ihsan from one another. Uh, uh, yes, uh, you, had, you had a question. Yeah, do you like you know the reward someone paying off? Like, what if someone like just paid off a debt of someone else and like said like, don't worry about paying it off? It was like an act of sadaqah. Yeah, no, paying paying the debts of the paying the debts of people is uh, a very pious act, and uh, um, and uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, it's one of the legitimate re- uh, recipient cases for zakat. Wal gharimina. That a person who is in debt to pay their to pay their debt off, uh, this is also legitimate use for zakat as long as the debt was incurred in something reasonable. It's not like a gambling debt or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, and so and, and so it is a, an act of piety, and it's really interesting actually 
um, Imam Malik rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala, um, he, he was known to be a wealthy person and the source of his wealth was uh, the Shaykh uh, uh, Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri who, uh, who was uh, uh, a, had good, deep connections with the elites from Banu Umayyah in Damascus. And so what would happen is that he would go every year for some time to Hijaz and he'd bring a large amount of money with him. From the from the from the from the wealthy uh, from the wealthy patrons in in Damascus, and there would be an ilan made in an, an announcement made in Medina Munawwara that uh, whoever the ulama are who are in debt, uh, uh, let them come forward, and uh, then they would uh, they would essentially um, they would essentially come forward one by one, and he would he would discharge their debts for them uh, uh, after after speaking to them. And then uh, whatever was left over would be distributed, uh, distributed amongst the ulama, and so this is also an act of piety, especially for people who are, people who are, uh, uh, you know, people who are doing those things in the community that nobody's going to pay for, but that the community needs, um, or, or for example, those people who are family, you know, people supporting families or people who are. Uh, 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 you know, doing some good for somebody or another. Oftentimes, those people are in debt. Like, or like, for example, you you'll have a person who has like uh, children who have special needs or things like that, and those things are expensive. They're not easy to take care of. Um, so yeah, paying the debts of such people is a very is a very virtuous act. And so so he continues. He says, "Wataqir salati an and it is haram to. Uh, uh, delay the uh, 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 the salat from uh, its time, uh, and this is something that is common sense. A uh, common sense of the ummah that people have lost, um, that's not become so common anymore. That the salat is the the, the covenant between you and Allah Taala. If you ignore it, then don't expect anything from Allah Taala either. It's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Inna salata kanat ala al-mu'minina kitaban mawquta. Indeed, the the prayer has been uh, upon the believers a, a fixed commandment, a, a commandment and fixed time. Uh, and so, when it's time to pray, you pray. And look at it's amazing how much dispensation the Sharia gives. If you can't get water, then you make tayammum. If you can't pray standing, then you pray sitting. If you know. Uh, in, in the Maliki school If you can't pray sitting Then you're allowed to pray Even through ishara Like if a person Is completely paralyzed They can just pray Through the movement Of their eyes There's so much relaxation If you can't do this Then you pray the other way But there's there, You know if, you, if you're in battle The armies are in battle There's an entire Salat al-Khawf that's, that's, that, that, that you learn about In the fiqh books And if you can't do that Either Then a person Can pray while fighting With their sword In their hand whether they're facing the qibla or they're not facing the qibla, if there's blood on their clothes, the najasa, the, the that that condition is waived. But there's not there's not a a, a permission to blow the salat off. Uh, uh, and people have to have that sensibility. You know, they have to have that sensibility that there's not permission to blow the salat off. People are like, well, what if I have an exam? I'm in school, Sheikh. I'm going to I'm going to school, so like that means I can miss Jama'ah, right? Uh, and it's like, no, man. Like, who, who told you that my parents are okay? <coughs> anyway, uh, it's wrong. I get the fact that your parents told you that and you thought that that was the way the being worked for your whole life, but it's wrong. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if, 
if it's that big of a deal for you, then Yom Al-Qiyamah, whatever, uh, Benjamin Franklin to get you out of the hellfire, you know. Uh, ask, ask George Washington and Abraham Lincoln to help you out. If you, you know, you, everyone chooses who they make friends with in this dunya. If you're a wali of Ben Franklin, then let him get you out on the Yom Al-Qiyamah. And if you're a wali of Allah, then you made, you made a very powerful friend uh, who will never let you down. Uh, 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 and so, you know, and th- th- that doesn't mean that, like, you know, you can't do anything or whatever. It's just when it's time for salat. The salat really doesn't take all that long. When it's time for salat, just to go ahead and pray. Uh, um, and that's that, that's that's that. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.